actually commit to doing these practices and you will see the effects start to compound in your life. Remember, knowing and not doing is the same as not knowing. This is the Millennial's Almanac, a blueprint for financial, emotional, and geographic liberation. My name is Scott Somerville, and like many millennials, I found myself in a rut. Emotionally, I felt a lack of self-control rippling out into my personal and work life. For some reason, I had come to the conclusion that I was beholden to my emotions and impulses, that they controlled me and not the other way around. Interestingly enough, this same lack of impulse control was also directly affecting my financial health, having racked up over $20,000 in consumer credit card debt. It's so easy to just swipe that card for immediate gratification, getting that temporary relief we are looking for. It is significantly less easy to see the silent, almost invisible, compounding effect of this impulsivity. Before you know it, you've accumulated a mountain of debt, with seemingly nothing to show for it. When combined with our tendency to avoid any potential problem we may face, it can quickly spiral out of control. Thankfully, there is a solution. Now that we've identified that we are ignoring the immediate steps that we can take, and we've delegated those looping anxieties in our head into a physical media, we can begin to address the elephant in the room. When you realize you've started digging yourself into a hole, stop digging. After you've decided to stop digging, then you're going to have to build a ladder and prop it up against the side. Kat and I are going to discuss a tactic that really helped me to overcome the overwhelming dread that I felt with that enormous amount of credit card debt. This practice allows you to break up that anxiety into smaller chunks that we can then approach in a much more concise and logical way. In the beginning, it will seem counterintuitive. It will also be extremely difficult. At this point, we're retraining your habits and we're retraining how you actually see the problem. With all change, it happens slowly and with consistency. We're also going to go over the nuclear option. This will give you the mental space you need to not impulsively spend on various platforms. If you find yourself not being able to control your spending, if you find yourself not being able to control the impulse to pull out that credit card and swipe it, you definitely are going to need to put this practice into place before you continue. Stick around till the end because the second half of this episode is going to be filled with some additional tools to help you navigate your newly found abilities. give another practice today that I personally use. One, to reframe my mindset to the elimination of debt, okay? That's the first thing you have to do for this process to work. You have to set your goal as, I am never going to use these things again unless I have to, or I'm not going to use debt to get temporary relief from the void that's in my life, okay? So you have to, at a very minimum, say, I am going to pay off this debt. So if you can't do that one, go ahead and just turn this episode off. <laughs> but if you can, this ne these next couple of practices will help you achieve that goal. The first one is if you have multiple cards, we're just going to go ahead and get a Tupperware or a bowl or something. We're going to fill it with water and we're going to put all of those cards into this bowl of water or this Tupperware. What do you think we're going to do with it next? With the Tupperware full of water. And our credit cards in it. Put it away. Where are we going to put it? Somewhere 
that's not easily accessible. <laughs> we're going to put it in the freezer and we're only going to use them when we absolutely need to. I also highly recommend decoupling them from Amazon, from any consumer-based thing. Like if you need to use credit cards right now for your for your uh, utilities and whatnot, I'm not here to tell you to not do that. You got to do what you got to do, but you should be working to be able to pay those utilities with your checking account or your debit card. Well, and then if you really do need your credit card, you got to really work for that to get it out of the ice. That's exactly the point. Most of the time, and back to, you know, being a human being and being able to respond to stimuli, usually you're using that credit card in a reactive mindset. You're, you see the shiny thing or, you know, you absolutely need to buy this thing now. That's where credit card goes swipe. And then you've now got the debt that you have to take months to years of your life to pay off. So again, we're, we're first establishing that we are not using debt to relieve our temporary anxiety. We are going to try and deal with that. We're going to, just like the naps, we're going to try and use our ability to plan and deal with our problems to avoid taking the nap, to avoid using the credit card to distract us from that um, uncomfortableness we're experiencing. So once that's there, once we've got those credit cards in the Tupperware and it's in the freezer, you've now got to take it out, run water under it. By the time you dethaw those cards, my assumption is you will now be back in the mindset of, I don't really need this right now. I understand that this is going to cause me problems down the road. Uh, something I like to do is um, like to relieve anxiety i guess i'll go onto like my favorite websites or whatever and i'll like add a bunch of stuff to my cart or my wish list but i prevent myself from actually buying anything and then if it's something that i'm really thinking about it's something i really think i need i'll go back to it like the next day but most often I'll see a bunch of stuff I like that night. I'll put my phone down. I'll immediately forget about it. And then I'll go back to it and I'll be like, why did I like this? I think that's a great practice with these first two suggestions, right? If your credit card is not linked to Amazon and it's trapped in a Tupperware that's frozen, then you kind of have to dethaw it to even buy that shopping cart, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a more hardcore physical way of preventing yourself from uh, buying something, but... It definitely works in the same way. Absolutely. And it's still there in case you have an emergency and you need and you need the money too. Uh, yep. That's why I don't recommend cutting them up. Don't cut up your credit cards. Definitely don't turn the account off either, okay? Do not deactivate your account because that's going to negatively affect your credit score. Keep the credit line open. Don't destroy the cards because God forbid you, you know, I have dogs, like one of them eats something and has to go to the vet or whatever. Wait, deactivating your credit card account affects your credit? Absolutely. If you close a credit a credit line, yeah, that'll, that'll ding your credit score. And it'll affect your credit score for something like 20 12 years or something. No one teaches me these things. Well, now you know. And so does everyone else listening. Yeah, don't close your credit lines. Once you've got the mindset, the Tupperware's in place, um, once you've kind of gotten to the point where you're not using credit cards in that self-defeating way, the next thing you're going to do is focus on paying them off. 
If you've got multiple credit cards, this can be, I know from personal experience, it's terrifying because you just see this like wall, this huge tsunami of debt. Like maybe you're 20 to $30,000 in credit card debt, right? That sounds so scary. Yeah. I know people who have been in like six figures of credit card debt before. I get scared when I have like $800 on my credit card. I think at one point I had something like $20,000 of credit card debt. Wow. Everything I'm saying, by the way, is what helped me to get over this problem. And one practice that really helped was paying each card off one at a time. So at this point, we have created a time budget and a personal financial budget. And if you haven't listened to those episodes, I believe it's episode three and four that I'm referring to right now, where we talk about the personal time budget and the financial budget. Both of those things are going to be critical to the conversation that we're having today. So once you've created that financial budget, you're going to have a surplus. And if you don't have a surplus, we're going to use our free time to create a surplus of income. Now that's way easier said than done, but please go back and listen to those episodes if you haven't listened to them yet. So assuming you do have a surplus in place and you have credit card debt, what you're going to do is allocate a certain number to one of those cards that is way beyond the minimum payment, okay? So again, we'll use myself. Let's say I had $20,000 in credit card debt. Let's say that I've got $400 a month in surplus. And again, that number is what we have left after paying all of our mandatory expenses, our rent, our car note, our utilities, phone bill, health insurance, everything that we can't avoid paying. Any amount that's left over, we're going to call that our surplus. So again, let's assume I have $400 a month in surplus. What I'm going to do is apply as much of that surplus as possible to paying off my credit cards. Now, if you got $20,000 in debt and credit card debt, $400 a month is probably not going to be enough of a surplus. So you're either going to have to go back into your budget and create more of a surplus, or you're going to have to increase your means via new employment or extra employment, self-employment, things like that. So again, for the sake of this example, I'm going to bump it up to about $600 a month in surplus. So I'm still maybe occasionally do something that that's uh, leisurely. Maybe I go and like see a movie every month or something, or I go on a date with my girlfriend every month, something like that. And that's going to be like a hundred bucks out of that $600 number. And if, if you're thinking while you're listening to this, well, that's going to be boring or what am I supposed to do with only spending $100 per month? Remember that you already spent all of that money months to years ago. You already had the fun. You already have the painting in front of you. You now have to pay for the painting. You now have to actually do the painting itself. So keep that in mind when that emotion comes up. Oh, I want to do fun stuff. I want to go out and do whatever. You already did the going out and doing whatever. Now you have to pay for it so that you can escape the misery and get the process started to actually achieve happiness and success. What we're going to do is take that $600 number. We're going to apply minimum payments to every card. So let's say the minimum payment on my three cards is $60 per month. So that means $180 gone. We're already applying that monthly to each credit card. No matter what, you have to or you're just going to accumulate more debt. Uh, Well, you already are going to accumulate more debt, but you're not even going to be making your monthly payments if you don't spend that $180. So we we subtract $180, we subtract another $100 for the monthly date with my girlfriend, and that leaves us with $320, if my math serves me correct here. So I've got another $320 that I'm going to apply to one credit card. 
Okay. And I'm going to commit to apply at least that $320 per month to that main credit card until it's paid off. So if I've got three grand on that card, that means roughly eight months. <laughs> I hate doing math. Between seven and eight months from now, that card is going to be paid off. Now, guess what? When you're done with that, you've got $380, which is that uh, surplus plus the minimum payment towards that other card. You're now going to apply that $380 to your second card and then so on and so forth. Now, I should also add that while this is happening, it's dynamic. You should also be seeking to increase your means. Do things on the side with that free time that do produce extra income. Get those hobbies in play as well. To commit to paying off your debt, to commit to avoiding the nap and actually confronting what the real problem is. And that problem being that you're just carrying this massive amount of debt around with you and you don't want to actually admit it to yourself. You've got to face it. You have to look that debt right in the eyes and commit to taking care of it. This is a critical component to getting over that dread that that young lady was experiencing in that I believe it was a Tumblr post where she doesn't feel like even waking up anymore. You have to start confronting these problems in your life. should have some information and metrics in front of you. If you have not listened to episode 9 where we discussed the in and out tray, go back and complete this step first. You may also have your basic income and free time budgets in front of you, and while these will certainly help, it is not a requirement. I'll include a picture of our next step in the show notes, so if you are currently driving or doing some other task that prevents you from drawing, please focus on that and come back to this image later. On a piece of paper, draw a quadrant. This is four squares that are enclosed in a larger square. It should look like the four square court on the playgrounds in childhood. On the left hand side, following the Y or vertical axis, we are going to label this importance. On the bottom part of the square, following the X or horizontal axis, we're going to label this urgency. I first learned about this practice in Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People but it goes by many names, also commonly called the Eisenhower Matrix. What this tool enables you to do is break down the tasks in your in and out tray into manageable timescales. After studying the quadrant, you will see it is broken down into Quadrant 1, Urgent and Important. Quadrant 2, Not Urgent and Important. Quadrant 3, Urgent but Not Important. Quadrant 4, Not Urgent and Not Important. When you consider all of the cards in your in-tray, they will fall into these quadrants. Some tasks need to be done immediately, and must be done today. Some of them are incredibly important, but do not have the same sense of urgency. Side note, these tasks are the most critical to focus on when seeking to achieve your overall goals and freedoms. Our brains are hardwired to ignore quadrant two, but very recent evolutionary adaptions have gifted us with the ability to override this. Quadrant 3 is urgent but not important. This includes things like checking notifications, responding to small talk, reading the news, writing pointless emails, holding pointless meetings, etc. Often, these are the tasks we find ourselves doing while trying to finish Quadrant 1. Quadrant 4 is the worst for our overall growth and happiness. Quadrant 4 is almost exclusively filled with the distractions we use to avoid completing tasks in Quadrant 2. Facebook social media, waiting for conditions to be perfect, 
distracting yourself with what color pen you're using, for example, or the room isn't clean enough, or your desk isn't organized properly. Even over-planning can be an example of Quadrant 4 activities. Here's the kicker, though. These quadrants will be entirely relevant to what your goals are. For example, many of you probably found me on social media, possibly in the comments of a post that you came across in your newsfeed. For you, social media is Quadrant 4. For me, Social media interaction is a Quadrant 2 activity because it is used to build my audience and over time, eventually, will lead to me reaching my goals with this podcast. Your perception of the task will determine where it lands on your priority list. Often, tasks that are in our Quadrant 2 will dramatically shift into Quadrant 1. It's vitally important that we take care of them before this happens. I recently allowed this to happen, by the way, by not changing my brakes at a proper interval, and that quickly became a Quadrant 1 problem. I'll use the analogy of a farm. Again, thank you, Stephen Covey. But on a farm, you have to plan out your crops. You have to focus on Quadrant 2 all spring and summer. If you don't, you can't harvest your crops before winter. If you wait until the end of summer to plant your crops, if you wait until the task shifts to needing to be immediately done, you will run into a bad time. Depending on the time of year, weather conditions, illness, Quadrant 1 will constantly be shifting on this farm. But the major Quadrant 2 tasks will always be the same. They'll always be focused on the crop and focused on surviving the next winter. In this analogy, Quadrant 3 would be doing things that are better suited for someone else in your circle. If you're the only one who can repair farm machinery, but you're out milking the cows or doing other things that you feel you need to interject into, you are now existing in Quadrant 3. You may not have to put yourself as a solution in every problem. It may actually be detrimental to your overall goals. Quadrant 4 in this analogy obviously would be ridiculous. Just like on a farm though, Quadrant 4 has the same catastrophic consequences in our modern life. It's just much more difficult to see those catastrophic consequences until they're right in your face. Spend some time, an appropriate amount of time, putting your tasks into each quadrant. Go into your in and out tray and get every card that's in there and write the number associated with which quadrant it falls into on each specific card. This is really going to retrain how you think about planning out your overall goals, how you plan your days and months. Once this categorization becomes natural or a habit, you will no longer need to do this. You're just going to think about it as you write the tasks down. Use this quadrant, use the Eisenhower matrix in the beginning to practice, to try to determine as you're thinking about your tasks or going through your task list, try to use this as a guiding light to essentially help you quickly in the future determine what each of these are. So these next two tools, they go hand in hand and are actually built off of the quadrants. The first is going to be what I call the Daily Six. In Chet Holmes's book, The Ultimate Sales Machine, he goes into a lot more detail on how he organizes his business dealings, but this is one practice from that chapter that really applies to daily living as well. What we're going to do is pick four to five Quadrant One tasks and commit to completing them tomorrow. It is imperative that you commit here. Don't let this tool become another Quadrant Four activity. It's so easy to do. It's so easy to use this as a reason to not take care of your Quadrant 2 activities. It's amazing how quickly the effects of this practice compound in your life. With four to five Quadrant 1 tasks now written down, choose one to two from Quadrant 2. You should have a total of six tasks to complete tomorrow. Note that you should only write down things that you have the time and commitment to complete. 
If you have your free time budget completed, you are well aware of how much time you have each day to tackle your responsibilities. So if you haven't done that step yet, definitely go back and do it so you can't lie to yourself. The sooner you get through that stack of cards in your entry, the sooner you can move on to planning out your leisure and exploring the exciting things you'd like to do with your life. You can absolutely do exciting things with your days right now. The the ability to begin that process is now right in front of you. You just have to do it. So for the daily six, you're going to have a total of six items that you're going to complete tomorrow and you're going to do them. This last practice goes hand in hand with the daily six and it's less of a tool and more of a new habit that you're going to install. For the next four to seven days, really focus on what you do immediately when you wake up. You'll find that you probably do a few things without even realizing it. It's basically a habit at this point. Are you scrolling social media? Are you checking email or your crypto portfolio? Are you doing things that set the mood for the rest of the day? It's amazing how much time is spent in the morning doing absolutely nothing. Precious time that you could be using to take care of your daily six. Commit to logging and then recognizing and changing your morning routine. Exercise, drink water, eat a healthy breakfast, do your laundry, meal prep, read a few chapters, clean. Here's an add-on. Put your phone out of reach. At night, I've been making it a practice to leave my phone in my office, so I have to get up to check all of the above. On top of that, my weights are next to the phone as a subtle reminder of what I need to do before I even pick it up. For the last couple of episodes, we really have gone over some practices that can have immediate, long-lasting effects in your life. You now know what they are. It's important that you put them into practice. Actually commit to doing these practices and you will see the effects start to compound in your life. Remember, knowing and not doing is the same as not knowing. Proud of you for muscling through to the end. I know these lessons can be difficult to hear and often can be boring. On top of that, learning to resolve these negative habits in our lives can be a lonely place to be in. For this reason, I have created a Facebook group where you can join like-minded travelers who are also learning to undo negative scripts and applying the steps in the almanac. Join us at Applying the Almanac on Facebook where you can interact with myself and others who just like you are learning to direct their own destinies. We can only fit so much into the podcast episodes, so this group will also act as a glossary or appendix going into more detail on how to apply these lessons in our daily lives. We're all in this together, and changing our behavior is much easier with the support of others on your side. If you'd like to support the show and help us bring this message to more like-minded individuals, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Our Patreon is linked in the show notes, and you can also find it by going to patreon.com forward slash the almanac. Thank you so much for supporting our mission. Remember, be patient, disciplined, and kind to yourself. I'll see you next week.